Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80 percent less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up Quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. That's Quince.com slash upgrade. Welcome to the Off Menu Podcast, dicing chat into tiny little cubes. No, it's not good, is it, James? Oh, that was bad. I knew the general area it was going to be in, and then I ran out halfway through. That was maybe the weakest one. Yeah, it was, definitely. We've ever had. Because I think you've talked about dicing stuff before. Yeah. Well, what else am I going to do now? Come yeah, on. it's hard, isn't it? Yeah. It's hard. You made your bed. Oh, hang this. on. Pouring the sugar of fun into the heated tin of the internet and making... The candy floss of content. Now, that is much better. I maybe think of it more as a, as a drum, heated drum. What is it, a heated tin, did I say? Tin, you said a heated yeah, tin. more but of like, a drum. More of a drum, but otherwise, that's good. And getting the internet involved, you, you've, you've kind of... Rarely get the internet You always involved. normally focus on chat and mm-hmm. fun. Uh, and humour. And stuff like that, and humour. Yeah. Um, but you don't often, you know, remember that we're, you know, this is an online thing, and you can get yeah. the internet involved. So that's a new string to your bow now when it comes to this. Well, it, it, you knowing it's an online thing is a new string to your bow. Yeah, well, I, I've I've just learned it from you said it just then. I assumed yeah. it was true <laughs> that, that the internet's involved. Do you want to tell everyone what this is, James? Yes, as far as I know, this is the Off Menu Podcast. We've got a dream restaurant. Ed's the maitre d', I am a genie, and we invite a new guest in every week, and we ask them their favourite ever starter, main course, side dish, drink, dessert, to make their dream meal. And this week, our very special guest in the dream restaurant is... Ross Ross Kemp. Kemp. Ross Kemp. It's Ross Kemp. It's Ross Kemp. It's Ross Kemp, the actor, the documentarian. I mean, it's Ross Kemp, national treasure. I was going to say... That, that, those are about to be the two words out. Next two words out of my mouth, Ed. Yeah, national, national treasure. Treasure. That's what I was about to uh, say. You'll know him from everything. Uh, well, no, specific things, actually. EastEnders, Ross Kemp on Gangs, my favourite TV show at university, Ultimate Force, 
which Ultimate I'm not sure Bulls. I'm going to get a chance to bring up with Russ because I'll absolutely fanboy. Uh, we had a TV uh, that the aerial didn't work on, so we couldn't get regular TV. We only had a small collection of DVDs, and one of those DVDs was the Ultimate Force box set. In one episode, he catches a machete in midair and in one movement slices off a man's head. <laughs> what? See, I was still thinking about his documentaries. I haven't seen Ultimate Force. Oh, mate, you've got to watch Ultimate Force. It is phenomenal. What? He killed someone? We're going to interview this guy. <laughs> <laughs> no, he has not killed anyone in real life, but he has spoken to a lot of people who have killed other people in real life. He has done. What a life. I mean, I don't think we've uh, had a guest on the podcast who's spoken to as many killers before. Correct. So this will be interesting. Will that in- influence the food choices? Who knows? And look, Ross Kemp is no stranger to podcasts. He has his own podcast, The Kempcast, where he chats to interesting people and chats about their lives and their stories and things like that. It sounds like quite a good journalistic podcast james unlike this piece of absolute shit we will see maybe we will turn this piece of absolute shit into uh the creme de la creme this week just for ross kemp but more than likely it'll stay a piece of absolute shit (laughs) i know he's met a lot of dangerous people but he has not met us before He's not met an angry genie. Not met an angry genie. Who has just heard a secret ingredient that we have decided before the episode. And if Ross Kemp says a secret ingredient, we will kick him out. And yes, I'm going to grab him around the scruff of the neck. Yep. You're going to grab his boots. Benito's going to tickle him on the way out. And we're going to chuck him out of here. We are. Machete or no machete, he's going out. And this week, the secret ingredient, which we deem to be disgusting, is chicken, chicken mince. Chicken mince. I've had nice chicken mince, but I would agree that broadly... It dries out very quickly. If you know, if you line up all the minces, it's going to be the first one I push off the table. Yeah, look, in general, I think chicken mince is all right. But I think the idea of it is disgusting. Thinking of it is, is gross. Yeah. And thank you very much to the person who suggested chicken mince. We get people to tweet the podcast. And this week, the chicken mince was suggested to us by Bleasdale. It wasn't, it wasn't Bleasdale, James. Bleasdale. It wasn't Bleasdale. This is going to be a confusing Bleasdale. Thank you, Bleasdale. Thank you very much for the suggestion of chicken mince from C.S. Sheeran. Sounds like an alias of Bleasdale. It sounds like an alias of a sheep, is what it sounds like, who's clearly putting other meats forward as a secret ingredient. <laughs> yes, actually. They, they want lamb mince to take over. They don't like people yeah. getting on the mince turf. Yeah. Well, fair enough, C.S. Sheeran. Let's see if you can... If you get Ross Kemp kicked out of the Dream Restaurant, you are officially hard as nails, C.S. Sheeran. God, I hope not. I'm so happy we've got Ross Kemp on the podcast. So am I. I can't wait to hear his dream meal. Shall we get to it, Ed? Let's get to it. This is the off-menu menu of Ross, Ross Kemp. Welcome, Ross Kemp, to the Dream Restaurant. Thank you guys for inviting me. Welcome, Ross Kemp, to the Dream Restaurant. We've been expecting you for some time. (laughs) I'm here at last. (laughs) Ah, yes. Matching the sense of occasion with the voice there. Not enough people do that, actually. I'm going to complain about all the other guests who've ever been on this podcast. Yeah, for sure. Never done that. No, I'm really happy to be here. I love food, really, as, as you could probably tell by looking at me. And I think it's one of those few remaining pleasures left once you go past 50. Uh-huh. So I enjoy it still very, very much. That must be a great thing about, you know, you've filmed loads of stuff all over the world. You get to, like, discover new dishes in different places. When you arrive in a different country, 
Are, are you trying to find out where the best places to eat are? First thing, yeah. Obviously, you've got to spend time with the people that you're going to be talking to. So you're not necessarily in their best restaurants. Going into the favelas of, of Brazil, for instance, that you know, you have to go through a thing called the Bock of the Fuma. It's where they used to sell mar- mar- cannabis, but they now sell everything from crack. They're generally cracky, cracky, which is crack cocaine. But once you're through that and you're through the barricades where the guns are and the gangsters sit and you go up into the favelas, you'll find all these small little restaurants that are selling skull beer. Um, you won't find wine, but you'll get some fantastic little barbecue restaurants. And, and everyone's got a smile on their face. Everyone's happy to be alive. And um, I've often found some of the more poorer, in brackets, restaurants have generally been the happiest places that I've been to. And I, I, when I was really young, I, I, I took my, one of my first girlfriends. We went to France. I think I just got into EastEnders. And she ended up booking this really expensive restaurant in Es Village. And uh, it was like a comedy sketch from the Pythons. There were like 12 waiters in ascending height going, <laughs> bonsoir, 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 bonsoir. And I don't know to this day whether they did it on purpose, but they gave, they're supposed to, it's very sexist, but they give the, the male the menu with the prices and they give the female the menu without the prices. Oh, but wow. for whatever reason, maybe because I was wearing a Marks and Spencer's shirt that had holes in it, they swapped them round, so she got the prices. And I looked across at her, her name was Sue, and I said, Sue, you're okay, this was your idea, this is my birthday, well, you know, we're going to splash the cash. And she went, have you seen what it costs for a bowl of bread? And, and I looked at it, and it was like 50 or 60 francs, it's before euros, and it was just like, I, it, and you know what, God bless you, you know, like she, we're too scared to order any food, we virtually, you know, <laughs> and I just thought, sod it, let's just let's smash the credit card, which we did, and we had a very good time, but um, I remember the tears rolling down her cheeks, and like, don't worry, and I looked at the menu and went, oh shit! <laughs> <laughs> so that was it. That day onwards, you were done with the fancy pants places. Into the favelas. Into the favelas, yeah. And, uh, and I've, I've got, like, my options. Some of the food are actually from fancy pants restaurants, and some of them are actually not. They're just, like, it's just the, it's the food. And it's often the place, I think. It's the time and the place. Yeah. So, you know, I've got um, you know, really, some really good memories attached to a lot of food, and I think food can can bring up places for you, you know? Definitely. You go back, and if the food's similar, you know what I mean? You can definitely recreate a good time in your life through food like you can through smells you know if you had to join one of the gangs <laughs> that you've you've spoken to yeah and you were picking them based on what they were eating based on what they eat what gang are you going for what gang has the best food good call uh well one of the organized crime groups because they spend their life having a really good time so one of the russian chaps i mean they just like spend their time you know coughing vodka and and having caviar. Though, actually, there was a gang that I met in Ulaanbaatar, which is obviously in Mongolia, because I knew that before I went there. No. <laughs> and they they frequented a sushi restaurant. Now, Mongolia is one of the most landlocked countries on the planet. And apart from the fact they like to have snuff and vodka for breakfast, which I had to partake in, of course, to be accepted by the group every yeah, morning. Sure. You're doing a documentary. You've got to do it. Got to do it. Exactly. They, they just, the sushi used to be flown in from Japan every day, and I've never even been to Japan, but I like sushi a lot. And the sushi that these guys, this, this gang used to, to have, apart from the fact that I didn't like the idea that they went around celebrating Hitler's birthday um, and they had SS tattoos on their heads and stuff like yeah. that. But that might that might have been for sushi sushi. <laughs> sushi absolutely. Scrumptious sushi. sushi. Scrumptious, yeah. Scrubby sushi. <laughs> so yeah, so so maybe the the richer gangs, the poorer gangs, 
Possibly not. Well, that is that is quite the bind. This sushi is delicious, but these guys, I'm pretty sure they're Nazis. Yeah. Uh, yes, well, they, they gave do? that away by the kit they were wearing and going around <laughs> waving flags on Hitler's birthday, which is something I never... I also I declined the cake on Hitler's birthday as well, which they were quite upset about, funnily enough. Well done. Did the cake have Hitler on it? Do you know, do you know what? Can I tell you how many times I've been offered cake by Nazis, whether it be <laughs> in, in Moscow, Dallas... Or, in fact, Ulaanbaatar. More than once. Yeah. And they, they love a cake. Yeah, well, I, I didn't know that about Nazis. Why, why do you think they love cake so much? Well, because they like sticking their insignia or anything they can, don't they? They like draping yeah. it everywhere. So why not put it on a cake? If you're going to stick it on your forehead, stick it on your arm, you might as well stick it on your cake. Yeah. It's an easier way to get people in, isn't it? Because like, they go, if we offer yeah. people the cake, their need for cake might override the fact that... Yeah. Yeah. Or everything we believe is abhorrent. So uh, we'll get him in that way. Yeah, and that is no joking. I can remember going to meet a load of Moscow Nazis and they literally put a salad out and in tomato ketchup, they'd put a swastika oh my God. across. <laughs> I mean, uh, pathetic. Anyway, uh, I, don't, I don't wish to remember them. Are you at that point now when whenever you meet a new gang of Nazis, before they've even opened your mouth, you went, no, I don't want any cake, thank you very much. And they're like, yeah, yeah. Oh, put it... Put the Battenberg away. He doesn't want it. <laughs> I can tell you something. I mean, you know, I've got to go through the whole menu, but some of them do actually relate to places that I've met. And I've also got a list of things that I just couldn't eat yeah. when I was offered. Oh, right. oh great. And, and one that I did do and had spectacular results. So I'll tell you about that <laughs> when we get there. Well, let's start with still or sparkling water at the beginning. I'm really funny about still and sparkling. I will go still, and, and I often drink, Lots of water when I'm away. Sadly, um, you know, it's often in plastic bottles and you only have to go to certain places that I've been to. You see it piled up. Mm-hmm. But I try not to if I can not to. But uh, sadly, yeah, still still would be my, my choice. Um, though having said that, when I, I'm, and I have to go for times I don't drink alcohol or anything like it, I will have a little bit of orange juice with some fizzy water. See, uh-huh. so if it's just water on its own, I'll have it still. But if I'm going to mix some juice into it, I might like it a little bit fizzy. Got to fizz it up because it's your dream meal. Yeah, which one would fit the dream meal more? Which one would be like that's special? That's what I'd like for the meal. That's the best way to start it off. I would like um, some mineral water uh, from Scotland in a glass bottle rather than a plastic bottle, please. Lovely. We can sort that out for you. Easy. Why Scotland? Slightly peaty nice it's properly out of that kind of through those rocks and i used to go walking up in scotland quite a lot and there are you know little springs that you genuinely can find um and where people leave little cups and so before obviously covid and stuff like that people were less kind of concerned and you can wipe it around anyway if you're carrying something some hand wash with you and you just fill up the cup and you can pour from it and you just drink straight out of the uh the side of the mountain and that's you know that's so refreshing particularly if you've just climbed a bit you walked a bit up a hill you know it's nice to have a nice drinky at the end of it. That's one of the often forgotten victims of COVID is the communal Scottish mountain cups. Yeah. <laughs> I reckon they're still there. Yeah. I wouldn't try yeah. it right now, though. People don't talk about it enough, pal. We're, yeah. not, we're not able to just walk along and pick a cup off the floor and drink from it anymore because <laughs> we don't know who's drunk out of it. I can assure you there's some people I know that still are. Yeah, yeah sure. <laughs> some people going around. If we could sort it out for you that the Dream Restaurant has a Scottish spring directly funneled into it that you can just drink fresh from would you prefer that to a bo- oh, bottle of water 100 oh just trust me yeah lovely absolutely fantastic yeah. well we can yeah. do that i think we'll Done. do that have you ever been tempted to bring a cup with you on the walk and leave that for other people 
Do you know what? I haven't, though you do take, when we go walking, they used to take a thing called your piece, and inside that would be like uh, bread and maybe some, 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 some kind of like filling inside the bread, like whether it be old gammon or cheese and pickle mm. or something like that. And there would often be a, a little metal cup that came along with you, but you, you know, woe betide you if you did not return said cup. So sometimes you would take a cup. If you didn't have a cup with you, you could find one generally beside one of these springs, or, which is probably generally more hygienic, you had a little cup in your pocket. You often filled it with more than just spring water as well, if you were lucky. When you say why betide you if you didn't come back with the metal cup? <laughs> well, we got told off by the woman of the house, the kind of lady that ran the Scot the, 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 the Scots cottage. So hold on a sec. I might have missed something. You're staying in a cottage and someone's in charge of it. Yeah. And the, and they give you your piece before you go out. That's right. And and you've got you've got to come back not only with um with your wrap foil yeah so you haven't left it up on the mountainside fair point yeah. but you've also got to come back with your little aluminium cup you've got to have the full shebang otherwise you've been sent back up there to retrieve them well she's cooking your dinner that night and you you know depending on how she felt about you you know depending on the quality of the food that you you got served so and it was also very good I have to say there you go but I have to say it wasn't the most it wasn't the most dangerous episode of my life getting wondering whether the lady of the house was going to uh, <laughs> going to serve a dinner cold because we uh, didn't come back with the aluminium cup I'd absolutely love it if that was the one time you're like you do yeah. not want to cross these women they live in the Scottish mountains in a cottage the only time I feared for my life is Scottish cup lady <laughs> do you want to say one of the foods that you refuse to eat before we continue pepper these throughout the episode uh, there's well not refuse what I I didn't have a lot of choice in one case. I was in El Salvador. I was staying with or meeting members of MS-13, Marisalva, Trucha, one of the most dangerous street gangs in the United States and across that part of Central America. And we were interviewing on a regular basis a guy called Chicho, who was the leader of the Little Psychopaths, and you're going to love this, the Little Psychopaths of Delgado. And um, he obviously carried a gun everywhere he went, more than one, and so did his, his cohorts. And... I made a real, I mean, very, very big error, early doors error before I, it's like the first series of gangs. I didn't have a clue what I was doing. Probably still didn't at the end of the 19 programs that we made. But <laughs> his sister, she gave me a soft toy that you, they're in the petrol stations uh, all across uh, El Salvador City. It's kind of like little kind of furry gnome type thing. Um, little face, plastic face, and then it was a ball of fur. And it was soaked in, in, in really, really strong perfume. And, you know, you're offered a gift, so it is rude to refuse. Now, stupidly, I went and bought her one. I didn't soak it in perfume, but I did give it back to her. Like three or four days later, but we're going back to Chuchi's house. We'll take some beers. We'll take some food. Uh, won't take any cake with swastikas on it, but we will <laughs> take something nice and sweet to eat as well. And I gave her this thing. What I was doing was getting engaged to Chucho's sister at that point. <laughs> So when I explained to him that I already had a girlfriend at home, Chucho was rather unpleased. So he said, you must come to my house before you leave and you must have chicken with us, right? So I remember I was sitting next to Marta. Marta speaks really good Spanish, Portuguese and every other language around the world. And she's been a great friend and a great support to me over the years. She ended up being one of the big directors in all the films like we went to Syria, Libya. She's very brave lady, uh, but she was she was just starting the job as well, and so she was translating. And you know, you've got to tell him that you're not marrying his sister. And I don't want to tell him I'm not marrying his sister. He's got a gun and he's put his gun on the table. And honestly, um, 
he brought out this chicken and it's like beautifully grilled chicken with a salad. And I look at my piece and it's pinker than my bald head. <laughs> it has not seen flame. Or if it has, it's just been licked delicately on the outside with it. So I put my fork into it and blood comes out, right? Oh, so I go, I can't eat this. I ain't going to be so sick. I can't eat this. So Chicha goes, oh, polo, polo, you polo. So you eat the chicken, you eat the chicken. And he's not waving at me with his finger. He's waving at me with some very large pistol. So I start eating the chicken. And literally, I am three mouthfuls into this stuff, right? I've got blood drooling down the side like a vampire. Just wipe your chin, wipe your chin. You look like you're bleeding. And I go, I, go, I can't, mm, I can't, mm, I can't eat anymore. And um, I literally was like, by the time we got into the four by four and tried to drive back to the hotel, I was actually like nearly like sick, passing out. And she's like, yeah, get yourself together, Ross. Get yourself together. You've just had four mouths of chicken. I said, like, I need something. I've got food poison. I know I'm going to be really sick. I'm going to be really sick. So she went off and the best thing she could find for whatever it was, that severe food poisoning was a, uh, <laughs> it was a bottle of Pepto-Bismol, which is an American anti-acid, yeah. which is also bright pink, right? <laughs> so I, I neck this, bad idea, I neck this, and within seconds, I was like a Roman candle at both ends spraying pink. <laughs> now, I know this won't make a food programme, but it was oh. quite a scene inside that bathroom. Oh, it oh, will. Man. And I literally passed out, and I woke up about seven or eight hours later, and uh, I was just sick for like three or four days. Oh, wow. So Chicho's revenge. But you still married, huh? <laughs> I never married his sister and I definitely didn't marry the girlfriend when I got home either. <laughs> Pop and absorb bread. Pop and absorb bread. Ross Kemp. Pop and absorb bread. Yeah, it's gonna be sort of like Afghan flat bread. Mm-hmm. Like they make the best bread and it's it's ginormous. Think a a three times size rugby ball. And and they make it, they can make it anywhere. They're just amazing people, the Afghans. And so, yeah, it's that kind of bread. I think it's quite healthy for you as well. I love all sorts of bread. They don't often love me, um, but I love that kind of flat bread. Yeah. Really like it, particularly when it's it's grilled and crispy. It's just come straight off a skillet or off a stone yeah. slab, and it's got that crispiness to it. Uh, the bubble, it bubbles up and sort of goes slightly brown and crispy i like crispy stuff to go with your chicken salad did chucho give you just a ball of dough as well <laughs> yeah eat the dough yeah eat, eat the, the dough. dough no but i found honestly i found um, a lot of the afghan people i met to be so generous so kind and and when they had nothing would give you as much as they could unlike chuchu who would rather have really he gives you yeah, they say that the lead or the silver the plum or the platter he was the lead or the chicken yeah yeah you know what tv show i'd like to commission is uh, every episode is the same as Ross Kemp on Gangs. It's all the same gangs, all the same people. But instead of you hosting it, Steve McFadden is hosting it. And we get to see who the toughest one of the Mitchells is proper. (laughs) That's what I want. I want to send Steve McFadden out to do the exact same things you had to do and see how he fares. James, he has to deal with the BBC Canteen every day, so he's got enough problems. So, <laughs> yeah. I'm joking. The BBC Canteen is very, very nice. Um, but, uh, yeah, I'll be very, I mean... I'll be very happy to see him get that commission. It'll be, it'll be a good laugh, right? <laughs> yeah, it would be. Gonna... <laughs> You'd have to ask Steve. I don't know. But would you be watching it? Finger, fingers crossed that he, that you, you know, every that he cries every episode, and you, you and you're the toughest. Yeah. I, I think I think Grant was always the more cryy of the two, yeah, the two chaps. Though he could turn, he could turn the tears on if he wanted to. He's a very very good actor, and yeah. um, you know, I think a lot of actors in soaps. I mean, I think they've changed over the years because. 
everything happens so much quicker now and, and people aren't given as much time as they used to. But, you know, him and I used to work really well together and I, and I really enjoyed the years that we worked. And, um, you know, he's just, he's a very good, he went to RADA, he's a very, he's a classically trained actor. And that's often sometimes forgotten about a lot of some of the actors that are, mm-hmm. uh, that find themselves in soaps. A lot of them are just really, really good actors. Yeah, man. How many... I want you to know that everything you just said, I took it in and it's brilliant. However, I want to know how many mouthfuls of the raw chicken you think Steve McFadden could eat. <laughs> Do you know what? He doesn't eat meat, so none. He's probably taking the lead. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he's a, he's a pescatorian from, yeah. from my recollection, yeah. He doesn't, he doesn't eat, doesn't eat chicken uh, or anything uh, like that. But you'd still be texting him going, yeah, Steve, you should buy her a toy back. That'd be a lovely gesture. <laughs> Go to a petrol station, buy a fluffy toy and give it to his sister. I mean, and also I got, I got chastised for doing it as well. Everyone, well, everybody knows that's an engagement present in El Salvador. I said, well, I didn't read that on the kind of guide. We come to your starter. Yeah. Uh, is your starter something that you've had on your travels or uh, from elsewhere? So the sashimi would definitely be in Ulaanbaatar. Oysters Kilpatrick is probably going to win. And that's after I generally, because I made a film in Papua New Guinea, I made a film uh, with sort of motorcycle gangs of Australia. My wife's Australian. So it was really handy. Uh, and I went to Indonesia and made a film about pirates that we could always meet where she's from, which is Cairns and the northern, like North North Queensland, and there's a restaurant that I go to there called Lunico. It's full of full of lunatics. Uh, it's a very interesting place because mostly you can't swim in the sea because of the crocodiles and because of all the poisonous things that are in there, irriganges, uh, jellyfish that are the size of your thumbnail and have more poison in them than a cobra. But um, you can look out across the sea there. And again, it's about memories and it's about what food evokes inside you. And it was always a, a massive relief to get there because I'd like either... I mean, the motorcycle boys were pretty dangerous, but they weren't as bad as being in Papua New Guinea and having people shoving guns in your face um, or, or dealing with... Se- At one point, there were seven pirates up a tree, and I never thought that's got to be a poem or a song one day. I want to hear Eminem do seven pirates up a tree. These guys could be, literally get bamboo poles, and they'd kind of like tie them together, and they'd speed up behind ocean-going container vessels, these big ships that carry, you know, these multi-storey big... There's big shipping containers... And they'd, they'd get the boat and then they'd just climb up, right? Wow. And they'd have a, a like a cheap panga, a cheap kind of like knife, long knife, tied around their neck with a bit of ribbon. And they'd, they'd find the skipper of the ship who's generally asleep because they'd do it at night. They'd take control of the ship because most of them knew how to. They'd rob all the crew. They'd take all the money out of the safe. And there's often a lot of money. Then they'd skim down because one boat would be keeping the small speedboat at the, uh, at the right speed. They'd skinny down and they'd be off. And they showed me how easy they could get up the side the back of a ship by putting it on an island. We went to an island, desert island, in, on the boat, one of their boats. And they, these guys were just such athletes. They could just get, you know, they could climb up a 40, 50 foot pole. Uh, I tried, man. I just couldn't could get one <laughs> foot on it. So, where do, where do I get to? So, like doing things like that, always going back to Cairns was always a real relief for me. Uh, I have another starter, which is from a restaurant called Pulo Po, which uh, is in Ebury Street in, in London. I lived in Battersea for like 28 years, and that was one of my big treats to go across to Pulo Po, the posh restaurant. But the French guys in there were absolutely fantastic, and they make a cheese quiche that I, I defy anyone to beat oh, wow. in terms of fluffiness, cheesiness, crispiness, loveliness. But I'm going to go for the Oysters uh, Kilpatrick um, 
with my wife before she was my wife, looking out of Lunico across across the ocean. Is that where you said the sun was coming down? You knew you wanted to spend the rest of your life with her, and you pushed a little box across the table, and she opened it up, and there was a tiny little cuddly toy. In there. No, do you know? Do you know? Actually, honestly, I actually I actually got engaged to my wife after coming back from Haiti and witnessing so many people, sadly, who had died and a cholera epidemic. So I was like, we went out and we collected bodies with the body collectors, and I met her in New York. I went down to the diamond market, bought her a diamond, and I went down on one knee in the Bowery Hotel and asked her to marry me there. It's a classic story of romance, Ross. Do you know what I did, though? Do you know what's a really stupid thing to do before you do that, though? I was given some Haitian rum, and I think it's got more than rum in it. Right. And I drank about what I thought was four or five snips, and it was more like four or five large glasses, so I was a little bit squiffy when i went down on one knee <laughs> didn't come up for a while oh mate no it was a, it was a mess it could have been very messy luckily she took uh she took pity on me yeah so definitely oysters kill patrick and for people who don't know it is oyster with worcester sauce and maybe sometimes a little bit of um a little bit of bacon on it but i prefer it just the heated up the hot oysters with worcester sauce ah oh, the hot oysters yeah yeah so you grill them so you can make them at home you just chop up lardons small lardons um you, you obviously leave the juice of the oyster in the oyster you put a little bit of worcestershire sauce the people say that's cardinal sin you should never do it and i do like cold oysters as well with you know lemon and a little bit of tabasco but this is just an australian obviously an australian thing it's called oysters kilpatrick lovely by the way, I'd like to know what kind of a tree that was that they climbed. Because when you said seven pirates up a tree, I was like, if yeah. that's a palm tree, I don't know how they've done that. Well, it's a big tree. It's on, a, it's on an island. And I can, do you know what? It's quite a famous island because it was in, involved in the um, nutmeg trade, which uh-huh. was really big in the East Indies. Or it was called the East Indies in those days. So, yeah, there's some pretty, quite, quite big. It might be a nutmeg tree for all I know, but it was quite a big tree, yeah. Are there quite a lot of branches up this tree and each pirate is sat on a different branch or are they all just huddled up together somewhere? Do you know what? The great thing about what I do, I can say, is that it's on camera. So you just got to look up pirates. <laughs> yeah. There's three programs. Don't go to the one in Somalia. Don't go to the one in um, uh, in Nigeria. Go to the one that's done in Indonesia and Malaysia in the Malacca Straits and you'll see six pirates up or seven pirates up a tree. Because you saw so much mad stuff like that, did it ever start to wash over you? Or were you always like, oh my God, that's seven pirates up a tree? I, was, I think, do you know what I did on the way back? I jumped off the boat and they got really angry with me. I just thought I'd just start to do something mad. It just felt like it was one of those surreal moments. So I just thought, well, we were close to the beach. It wasn't like, you know, yeah. I did it in the middle of an ocean. Um, and I think if it does, I think, honestly, that you, I think if you did, then you wouldn't be doing your job properly. And then a lot of people say, you know, you're not a trained journalist, you're not this, you're not that. I'm a documentary maker, I guess. And part of, of what I do is I try to be as honest and, and as straight as possibly can do in terms of telling both sides of the story and walking the line. I've just made a programme about uh, people in the UK that keep lions and tigers in their back gardens and other dangerous wild animals. And, gosh, that's a hard one to walk a straight line over because you you automatically feel very much on the side of the animals. But some of the, some of the owners are just uh, such interesting characters. Uh, they're not the Carol Baskins and they're not necessarily the Joe Exotics, but... You know, anybody who wants to keep 350 kilos of killing machine in their back garden has to be interesting. Yeah. Right? <laughs> I mean, if you're, if you're, you're their neighbour, you're not asking for your ball back. Put it that way. That's correct. I'll tell you what, there's, there's, there's uh, 4,000 cats in, in captivity in people's back gardens in the UK. Wow. Which wow. was absolutely jaw-dropping, isn't it? Uh, I've got, because I've got the numbers here. There's 274 primates there's 158 crocodilians, there's 332 scorpions, 
and 106 venomous lizards. That's insane. It is, isn't it? I think it is. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Today's episode of Off Menu is sponsored by Aura. James, are you ready to win Mother's Day? I am, Ed. I want to cement my reputation as the best gift giver in the family. I want to give my mom an Aura digital picture frame preloaded with decades of family photos. May I say, James, I absolutely love the class and elegance with which you use the word mom, because this is for US listeners. All of your moms deserve a good Aura digital picture frame preloaded with decades of family photos. Yeah, I think your mum's going to love looking back on your childhood memories, seeing what you're up to today, seeing what you were up to back in the day, and even better, with unlimited storage and an easy-to-use app, you can keep updating mom's frame with new photos so it's the gift that keeps on giving, James. Ed, answer me this. Who is the best gift giver in your life? Hmm, um, I'd probably say uh, my wife is a very good gift giver. Not that my mom is not a fantastic gift giver, but my wife's very good at little surprise things. She says, I've only got you a few things, and then there'll be little little surprises, things that we've seen throughout the rest of the year. I'll say to my wife, I like that, and then I forget about it, and then on the day, there's some lovely little gifts there for me that remind us of the year that we've just spent together. Oh, if you like being reminded of stuff, may I suggest photographs? That's a very good point, James. I think we should get ourselves an Aura digital picture frame and put some of our wedding photos on them. Right now, Ed, Aura has a great deal for Mom's Day, Mother's Day. Listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. That's A-U-R-A-Frames.com. Use code OFFMENU at checkout to save. Terms and conditions apply. Are there any other things that you've refused to eat or uh, or disgusted things you've eaten before we get onto the main course? One thing I did, I was in the Congo uh, uh, a really bad time. It's probably the most heartbreaking film I've ever made. And I met an amazing man called Dr. McQuaggy who went on to get the Nobel Peace Prize. But a very difficult man to talk to because he basically looks after people who've been mutilated, bits of them chopped off. And uh, he was just an incredible man. He was, you know, he was so busy. He was looking after people. Why would he want to talk to some Westerner? Who, you know, is not really going to help the plight of any of the people that are suffering around him. But while I was there, we went. We got a UN helicopter and went right into where the rebels were fighting. And it was basically uh, it, it was Hutus and Tutsis. So the the genocide that happened in Rwanda moved over into the eastern DRC, and it very brutal. 
very brutal war with child soldiers, etc. But I was presented, we went into a place, we got two cans of tuna off the local market and two guys tried to come into my room that night and steal it off me and I managed to kind of like defend my way away from them. They pulled a knife on me and they were going, ooh, la boof, ooh, la boof, ooh, la boof. No boofy C, no boofy C, with my CSC grade one French. Um, <laughs> but they managed to leave me. But I got, I remember I got, I was on a mattress. There was no thing. I got mosquitoes. I got. They were beating the sun going down and beating the sun go up. And they were watching Black Hawk down below us. All these guys were dripping in grenades, AK 47s. But they bizarrely wear white Wellington boots. So they all look like you know, kind of like they've got berets on. They've got. They look. T- they are as tough as hell. But when you look down at their feet, they've all got white Wellington boots on, which always <laughs> made me like slightly titter, slightly. But um, um, they were they were clapping every time an American soldier got shot. Uh, they, I think they took us to be American. So I was just waiting for the covers theirs and, and shoot us. I got through the night with no sleep whatsoever, really dehydrated, too scared to go to the toilet. So I weed in my bowl, my little bowl. And um, I was confronted with breakfast, which I have a picture of uh, still. Uh-huh. Uh, it's a skillet and it was a porcupine, not prepared, <laughs> a porcupine, <laughs> and, a, and, 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 a, and a baby uh, primate that had been cut in four or a yeah, a primate, let's be clear, a primate that had been cut into four bits and left on the skillet. Oh, my God. I mean, oh my yeah, hang on, I'll show it to you. <laughs> oh, yes, please do. <laughs> Just got off to get the photo now from his cabinet. Oh, it's in his book. Here we go. There it is. You can see the porcupine's oh. little uh, claws there. Oh, yeah. Tucked up. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There, there it is. Oh, so I, um... Yeah, thank you. Yeah, I've I've never been um, a great favour of any kind of bush meat that I've been offered, and you know I've had some fantastic meals in all sorts of parts of the world where they eat that stuff, uh, and some people really like it, but uh, it's never been for me. I have to say. So oh. you didn't have any porcupine or primate? No, couldn't, man. And also, when I opened the can of tuna, so I had this can of tuna that I defended with my life the night before. We hadn't really eaten properly, but I mean, I'm, woe is me, but that's the longest probably I've ever been without ever having any food when on any job that I've done. And um, I opened it up, and there was this dry little disc, and I looked at when it had been canned, and it had been canned in 1986. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> so it was about nearly 20 years old or something. It was, uh, yeah, waste of the can of tuna as well. But there you go. Also, you said you had, you had to wee into your little bowl. Yeah, and tempted to drink it once or twice, yeah. Is that like the little tin cup in the Scottish mountains? Yeah. Is that like... Yeah. <laughs> so, let's go to happier times in your main course. Yes. Well, hopefully happier times. <laughs> who, who knows what's going to be in the main course? <laughs> well, there's, there's two moments. I love grilled fish, right? Uh, I've always have done. And I love... Uh, we were in a place called East Timor, uh, early doors as well, on gangs. And um, it's, you know, it's suffered a bit as a country. But we'd filmed that. We'd actually gone out there with the wrong stock to film. So we actually, instead of staying there for like three weeks, we were actually out there for nearly two months. And there's very little you can do. After a while, after getting rocks hurled at you, where you're with the UN troops who were trying to stop the uprising. And they use the thing called, I can show you, I'm doing this kind of like, I'll get up and show you something. Hang on. Just got up again to his shelf. They fire these things, which I will describe as a 12-inch nail with a point on the end and a hook. Now, the hook's important because that's caught by the kind of Dennis the Menace slingshot. Right. It's made out of wire. Right. Right. And on the end of it, there's like flails from a rice bag, and they wrap that around where the head of the nail would, where you'd hit it normally. But they flatten this out, and they sharpen it to quite a sharp point, and then they dip it either in feces 
or snake poison or toad poison. Yes. But these guys were just amazing with these things. They have them in like a little pouch on their hip and they bring out this what, you know, laughable little wooden Dennis the Menace thing with lots of elastic bands on the end of it and a metal hook that links the elastic bands from one end of the branch to the other end of the branch. And then they can zip these things off like they're firing a pistol. Wow. And they like have practice on melons at about five or six metres and they wouldn't miss. So let me get this straight, Ross. <laughs> Your dream main course is a flattened nail dipped in shit. Because <laughs> I'm that odd, all right? I'm that odd. <laughs> Do you know what? That would be amazing. We had, we had a hard time with people aiming things like that to us, and that was only the, the tip, get me, of the iceberg. Yeah. But we finished filming, like, and we just, like, they, they, they found us a nice restaurant. The local fixer, Maurizio, had found us a restaurant on the beach. This big fish had been laid out. It had been split in two. It was grilling. There were beers. And we were sitting there sipping our beers, just eating this beautifully, just freshly out of the sea, moist fish. I think there might have been French fries there, a bit of salad. Everybody's chilled. The sun goes down across the ocean. Wow, we've got through this. And we were right at the end of the bay of Dili, Dili being the capital of East Timor. And Maurizio, who should have been there, I'm going, where's Maurizio? Maurizio, there's no mobile phone service running on that. So where's Maurizio? What's up to Maurizio? Maurizio drives up in his little Suzuki Jeep, open-top Jeep. He goes, we must go, we must go. I said, we're not leaving, Maurizio. We're just, not, mate, we're just eating fish, mate. We're on our sixth beer. We're not going anywhere, man. We're just going to, like, just layer until the sun comes back up again. He said, you have to go now. Look across the bay. Look across the bay. Look across the bay. And there's, like, this kind of fire going on. But you can't wait. He said, that's your hotel. <laughs> <laughs> and they basically, there'd been another uprising because there was an uprising every other day when we were there. And they wanted to burn down the records office so they could do a land grab. The only problem was that the, the, the records office joined our hotel. So the flames oh had gone across God. the roof and they were at, they'd set fire to the hotel. So that was my grilled fish moment out of the way. But I've always loved grilled fish. But my favourite I would go for is from the Hutong restaurant in Hong Kong. Not that I go there on a regular basis. It's really, I'm, I, I like hot food, but not uber hot. And the first time I went there, I just had the regular not the, the cooler version of the crispy, soft shell crab mm. uh, with Sichuan chilies. Mm. And it comes in this big kind of wooden basket. And even though the soft shell crab's been sort of like dipped into kind of this, this, this chili and then deep fried, and then they put chilies all over it, it actually, if you get it at the right temperature with the, with the right drink, it is probably the closest that you get to having sex without having sex. So absolutely, my favourite main course would be the soft shell crab what's nice about the soft shell crab in comparison to the grilled fish is when you'd finish it you didn't look up and see where you were sleeping was burning to the ground <laughs> nice no, yeah, I, was, I was looking across the Kowloon as far as i can remember and it was definitely not burning to the ground but that honestly you can't you can't make that and also the true story about so we do get in the vehicle and we do go down to the hotel and we get our like, kit out and the hotel was actually just a little bit singed but then we obviously carry on filming and the gas bottles inside the houses that are used to cook off are suddenly going bang right so i'm doing a do i try to do a piece to camera and all of a sudden it was just like a movie it's like i didn't know i was going to go to afghan then and see big bombs going off and stuff like that i literally wet myself when one of those canisters went off well will we come to your side dish are we sticking to the seafood 
No, it's either. So I love Lebanese food, and and I like the Lebanon as a country and the people in it. It's a fascinating country. It's in a lot of a lot of trouble over the years, but um, I, I love Lebanese people and I love the food. So I love that kind of baba ganoush stuff, mm-hmm. like kind of um, or or, or for two salad. So fried pita bread, you know, pomegranates, um, molasses. I like radishes sliced up thinly, onions sliced up thinly. A nice green salad in that with with my with either, either with the fish or, or with the soft shell crab. I know that you said nice green salad there, but my ears heard ice cream salad, and I get I got really excited. <laughs> <laughs> what what's an ice cream salad in your mind, James? Just uh, three different scoops of different ice creams. So <laughs> just some ice cream, yeah, yeah. All <laughs> yeah. of ice cream, we call it an ice cream salad. <laughs> Beautiful. I think Russ, we can let you have the baba ganoush and the fatouche salad. As a side dish. I think we can double up on sides there because they're from the same place. I think they go together hand in hand. Yeah. What's the opposite of that in terms of things you've been offered to eat? Uh, I tell you one of the things I just really hated about being out in Afghan uh, were the MREs. So I sort of like, I was asked to kind of give my honest opinion on what the uh, soldiers and the Marines were given when they first went out there and the early herricks, they were called six-month operations, were called a herrick. So I went out there for about over a period of four to five years, maybe longer, five years at least, and the food got better. But I remember one of the things that used to make you gip, and you had to eat it because there weren't much else to eat. Uh, if you're doing a five- or six-day operation, this is before the IEDs really came into play, they used to, used to do a lot of marching, walking, whatever you want to call it, running and getting shot at, basically. And in my top pack, you'd have the meal that you were going to eat that night. And with your body armor plate and the heat, because it's like 40 degrees, it would actually, when you opened it up, it would be steaming. You'd actually cook it through wearing your body armor. But the one thing that you'd stop to have for lunch, a thing called biscuits brown, which sounds so military, doesn't it? Biscuits brown, because they're biscuits and they're brown. (laughs) Sounds like my nickname. (laughs) Just, I mean, what are they like? They're like a digestive that's been made with tarmac, tasteless. And what they would expect you to do is they'd expect you to squeeze. It's in like a sachet. Like you imagine like the sachets you get for tomato sauce, about four times longer than one of those, about the same width. And inside it was supposedly tuna, a tuna again, but it wasn't. You could see it was just eyes and tails. Oh, and God. in that kind of heat, when you're dehydrated, squeezing that out onto a biscuit brown and trying to eat it, you just want to gif. <laughs> yeah. If someone came to your room and tried to rob you for that, it'd be like, absolutely take it. Have it. Please take my biscuit brown. I hate <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah, so take much. my biscuit brown. <laughs> oh, please, Wellies White, take my biscuit brown. <laughs> <laughs> how many, just on their own, how many biscuit browns do you think you could eat in a row? Oh, man, that's a question. You just wouldn't want to. And I remember, because they were in a purple kind of sachet, and it was really interesting. You know what I mean? Stealth, uh, company of 30-odd blokes, tough as nails, and with, you know, me and my cameraman attached and you could see where we'd stop for lunch because there were piles of biscuit brown everywhere <laughs> it's all right where were they last i have them i have the biscuit brown i'm on the trail literally like a uh, hansel and gretel just following the, the crumbs yeah. to find all yeah. you guys to a big house built of biscuit brown <laughs> <laughs> Your favourite drink? We've talked. We've mentioned a few beers along the way so far. Yeah, I do. I, um, sadly, yeah, I do like a beer. But I found out very late on life that I was allergic to most grapes, which explained why I was probably angry uh, in the morning quite a lot. 
uh, uh, particularly at the weekends. But um, I do like Pinot Noir wine, the grape, and the wine that goes with it. And um, I've, I've sort of uh, – luckily, I've spent a lot of time in New Zealand doing mm-hmm. films. My best mate's um, Dutch of sociology at Christchurch University, and him and I have – have made it our goal to go to the every vineyard. Yeah, and there's quite a few in New Zealand. Yeah, so Pinot Noir, and it doesn't really matter whether it's from the Napa Valley, whether it's from Burgundy, I think, where it originates, or whether it's from Germany, some really good German ones. So a thin glass of, of Pinot Noir or a glass of Albarino, which is my favourite sort of white wine, which is Spanish. Lovely. Lovely. I mean, I, was, I thought you might go for beer because... You've been to a lot of hot countries where you've been working hard during the day, and I don't think you'd probably taste beer until you've had a cold beer in a boiling country, maybe after being chased by a murderer. Yeah, yeah true, true. And, and also, <laughs> interesting, we, we, we didn't realise that the beer is kept from going off in, in, in Karachi because they put formaldehyde in it. Oh, and formaldehyde, I can assure you, gives you a stinking hangover we only had had two bottles of beer and we uh, just me dave sound jonathan doesn't drink when you say when you say dave sound it's a man called dave who works on the sound his name's not dave sound (laughs) yeah his name's dave williams but he'll he'll hate me i can tell you a true story about him as well his name's dave so whenever i have to interview someone and give them a pseudonym particularly if they're a murderer robber or a you know an assassin they're always called dave and it's funny (laughs) After that point, when you go to someone, look, obviously you can't say who you really are. We're shooting you in silhouette. Uh, would you like to, to have a name, a pseudonym? Do you know how many of them often came up with the name Dave? <laughs> <laughs> there was a guy who tortured people in Colombia. We met him in a sex hotel. This guy yep. uh, was cold-blooded killer. He cuts people up for a living to find out where the stash is. And he literally turned around to us and he said, you could call me Dave. And, like, I was on the floor, right? And Dave said, you told him! You told him to say that! <laughs> you told him to say that. Like, you're going to go up to a guy like that and go, before we interview you, come here, this will be a laugh. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that guy's name's Dave. Say your name is Dave because your sort is the last kind of people he'd want to be associated with. It'll be a funny little joke. Nice sex hotel, by the way. Let's shoot this. <laughs> Can I tell you something about the sex hotel as well, which is really, really odd? Yeah. Yes. Because the aircon's on, it's um, right down on the Pacific coast of Colombia, which is where all the drugs go up to Los Angeles. And we had to turn this, because of Dave Sound, my good mate Dave Williams, we had to turn the, the yeah. aircon off, right? So all of a sudden, this guy's sitting there, he's got a locked off camera on him. And um, Jonathan, who's the, the big cameraman. Jonathan, who doesn't drink. Jonathan doesn't drink. Jonathan Young is on a penny case, you know, those big plastic cases. Jonathan Lens. Jonathan Lens, <laughs> yes, you got it. And um, it, we suddenly start seeing all the fingerprints because the lube is now becoming apparent, but the floor is turning into an ice skating ring, right? Now, I am absolutely dripping. Our chap, funny enough, doesn't drip at all. He's talking about cutting up his best friends, how his dad was cut up, how he thinks he's going to get cut up. He's like, he's got a heavy staff. He's really trying not to get cut up, this guy. Anyway, I realise I'm seeing all these handprints on all these kind of furniture and everything like that, and there's this kind of fridge in the corner that's full of condoms and gel and bizarrely a comb. What do you want the comb for? <laughs> anyway, I certainly don't need the comb. Right, anyway. Wouldn't put uh, it in the fridge. Uh, we're doing this interview, right? It's now dripping. The floor's gone like a rink full of lube, right? And Jonathan's on this penny case and he slips off it. Now, he's about six foot five and weighs a good, like, 15, 16 stone. The penny case goes, bang! I jump out of my skin. This lad who we were interviewing, because he was locked on a D5 camera, 
he didn't move an inch. He's just like, I'm used to big bangs, funnily enough. But yeah, sex hotels. Don't go shooting in them, particularly when the town man says turn the aircon off. Too slippery. <laughs> it's a slip, slippery occasion. Before we go to your dessert, let me ask you the big question. Very important. Can't have you on without asking you this. Mm. Who do you think's toughest out of me and Ed? Oh, God, I've not got a toughometer on me. I'm going to go Ben Williams, the sound man. <laughs> the great Benito. You can't see. Ben sound. He looks like you can't. You know, you don't argue with Ben. Ben sorted it all out, didn't he, at the beginning? Yeah, oh, yeah. Ben. yeah. Ben's the, the toughest. The great Benito. Yeah, yeah he's definitely yeah, the yeah. toughest. He's, he's written yeah. thank you in the chat like, like any tough guy would. Yeah, Ben, don't mess with Ben. That's what I'm saying. Ben is pretty tough. So, your, your dream dessert... There's two, and this is where you see kind of like the softy, squishy side of Mr. Kemp. Um, when I was a kid, my mum on a Saturday night, because my dad was not around, he worked as a police officer, he was a detective, he wasn't around a lot. So on Saturday nights, if he was not working, we would have a big meal, and there were these books that came out um, called Supercook, and it was like, this is before TV Chefs, it was like in the 70s, and um, she started cooking a thing called Baked Alaska, which for a kid like me was just like, oh, my word, what? You put ice cream in the oven and it doesn't melt and it's got sponge on it and it's covered in meringue. Are you kidding me? <laughs> yeah. This is like yes. heaven. I, I still don't get how it works. It, that yeah. is magic. I think it is. It's food magic. And, yeah. and that's why I still love it. Now, obviously, it's, it's maybe a little bit too sweet for my taste these days. But for my birthday therein, from about the age of about eight to the time I was about 12 or 13, my mum would make me a baked Alaska for my birthday. Yes. So even though I love my nan's lemon and apple pie, God rest her soul, and it was special, because she managed to make apple zesty and lemony, really, really special apple pie. Crust, the beautiful crust, Norfolk crust pastry, beautiful. Then why it's called Norfolk crust, I just called it that because it was from Norfolk. <laughs> but baked Alaska for me will always do it, because it's like that moment in Ratatouille, you know, when he, he yeah. the rat cooks him that that dish and you're expecting him to hate it yeah. and he suddenly puts his spoon in it and it goes into his mouth and all of a sudden he's he's transported back to his mum coming through coming through the door in the farmhouse well it wasn't exactly yeah. a farmhouse it was a semi-detached house in Essex but <laughs> I'm transported back to that kitchen every time I taste baked Alaska so it will always be baked Alaska maybe that's you should take that you know whenever you're uh, abroad filming <laughs> with gangs you yeah. should take some baked alaska with you so that if you're feeling scared you can just yeah. have a mouthful of it i have to take it in a plastic bag and freeze it and not take it to a sex hotel because it'll definitely yeah. melt it'll be all over the place everyone's slipping around on lube you've got your baked alaska <laughs> sp- spilling all over the place why did you bring a baked alaska Ross? in case i get scared you know i get scared sometimes you know the one the one rule never bring a baked alaska to a sex hotel <laughs> we told you that Ross. <laughs> you wouldn't listen i would imagine the baked alaskas have been taken to sex hotels I reckon it's something sure. like, what wouldn't be taken? What dessert would not be taken? It would, if it's got cream attached to it, it probably been taken. Uh, after the act, it's not being referred to as a baked Alaska anymore. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> Do you know what really got me about what they're called sex hotels? Not because of all the lube everywhere and all the odd, 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 oddly shaped furniture. It's because something to do people can drive in and there's two garages. So you drive in and no one sees you come in and you kind of close the garage door and you go in one side and the other person comes and cl- in their car and then closes the garage door and they go in, they do what their business is and then they both leave under the cover of darkness. I'm not sure, guys, but James and Ed, have you ever seen such a thing in the UK? Is there a market, do you think? I don't know. No, I- I've never n- known such a thing before. 
Oh, did you stay the night in the sex hotel or you just met the, Gosh, the guy there? Man, no, that was the, one of those jobs where you just say thank you very much and you, you slip your way out as quickly as possible. <laughs> you slither can. out like one of Gary's lizards. <laughs> slide, slide out like Bart Simpson. It lended itself to, you know, when you're a kid and, you, and it ices for the first time of the winter and everybody goes out and like tries to skid across the playground. It was literally like that. It was like, <laughs> bye. <laughs> the thing is, because we're talking to you, I know that you said when you're a kid and it ices, but because it's you, I thought you said, you know when you're a kid and ISIS come in? And it was like, lost. You've been about gangs your whole life. Uh, sadly, been, yeah. They were an interesting bunch of people. Oh, yeah, I forgot you probably have met them. Yeah, you have met ISIS. Yeah. Uh, sadly, I've been shot at by them, yeah, in Syria. No, yeah, let's not talk about them. Do you, do, you don't do coffee or tea, do you? Do you do coffee or tea in your restaurant? Oh, do you know what, mate? If you want a coffee or tea at the end, well, absolutely we'll do it. Can I tell you one of the most wankiest things I ever saw or ever witnessed? And I can't tell you who they were, but they're really uber famous people. I I was taken out to a restaurant in Spain, uh, in Madrid. And it was like, I think it had like more than five Michelin stars, this restaurant. They were really uber celebrities. And I was obviously, no one knew and no one cared. And why would they? But you know, you didn't, they, they said, we have five teas. Would you like to try our teas? And I was like, yeah, okay. They were really excited about this and you don't get to go to restaurants. Well, it was the only time I've ever been to a restaurant like that and it will be the last time I ever go to a restaurant like that. And do you know what they did? They had the tea in like kind of a big test tube with a, like a, a cork on top and you didn't drink it, you smelt it. That was your tea. <laughs> it's like Emperor's New Clothes, isn't it? It's like, yeah, oh, no, yeah. no, 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 don't let them. If you, if you pour boiling water on that, we'll have to get some more tea in. Just let them sniff it. <laughs> then charge them £50. So that's not what you want. You don't want to sniff some tea at the end of the I don't want sniffy tea. I want proper tea. I love a cup of tea. I love a cup of tea. Milk sugar? Just normal black tea or green tea. Don't mind. Black tea? Yeah, love it. You, you got, got it. it. Thank we'll you. some black tea at the end of this. Let me read your menu back, see how you feel about it. Um, water, you would like Scottish mineral water at, fresh out of the mountainside. <laughs> Straight out. Poppadoms or bread, Afghan flatbread. Yeah, love it. Starter, Oysters Kilpatrick from Lunaco, Australia. Yeah. Main course, crispy, crispy soft shell crab Szechuan style from Hutong in Hong Kong. Yep. Side dish, baba ganoush and fatouche salad. Drink, Pinot Noir and dessert, mum's birthday baked Alaska. Love it. Sounds good. Great, really, really good menu. I reckon. Yeah, thank you. Really, really delicious. I mean, I would, I'd eat most of that. I'd definitely eat that. I mean, listeners know I'd eat that baked Alaska in a heartbeat. James is actually the only person I know who would take a baked Alaska to a sex hotel and just, <laughs> just check in with the baked Alaska, eat the baked Alaska, and then check out again. <laughs> yep, I wouldn't see anyone else. I go a room for one, please. Yeah, goodbye. You'd send the baked Alaska into the other garage in an Uber. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I'll go in. One of us would leave under cover of darkness. <laughs> Ross, thank you so much for coming to the Dream Restaurant. You've been a lovely guest. Thank you so much, guys. What a pleasure and what fantastic company. Thank you for coming, Ross. But also, I should warn you, uh, you, obviously you didn't research the customs of the Off Menu podcast before you came on it, and you should know that when we ask you who's the toughest, whoever you choose, you are engaged to. And so you are now engaged to the great Benito. <laughs> Congratulations, Congratulations to you and the great Benito. Well, hey. <laughs> well, there we are. Ross Kemp was in the Dream Ooh. Restaurant, James. Ross Kemp came to the Dream Restaurant. He picked a delicious meal and we got the stories we wanted going in. I was like, oh, man, are we? how easy is it going to be to get amazing stories out of this guy? Maybe he's burnt out on talking about him. He's done so many amazing things. Maybe he's tired of talking about all this stuff. 
No. No, sir. No, sir. The, the guy is a big old uh, treasure chest full of stories. Excellent. Yeah. I loved it. He goes around shitting himself and pissing himself all over the place. <laughs> Another fine addition to the, the Poo Poo Wee Wee podcast. Yes. He's keeping us where we like it. This is the kind of podcast we know what our listeners like, and Ross Kemp gave our listeners what they want. It's great to finally extend the remit of the Poo Poo Wee Wee podcast to lube. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> bring, in, bring in a bit of lube, and a load of people sliding around on lube at a sex hotel. High time that came up. Luckily, lube was not the secret ingredient, because we would have kicked him out of the restaurant. The secret ingredient was chicken mints, and he yes. did not have chicken mints in his menu. So, thank you, Ross, for coming in. Uh, we will now plug your podcast, The Kempcast. The Kempcast. Make sure you listen to it. Great journalistic podcast. That's what Ed said at the beginning. Yeah, and you're, now you're quoting me on that. Yeah, well, that's, this is how, how quotes work, baby. Go and check out Ross Kemp's podcast, The Kempcast. It is fantastic, The Times. I've made that up, but that's not how quotes work, baby. Check out his books. He, he, he showed us that absolutely horrific picture of a porcupine and a primate that he turned down to eat for breakfast once. That was in one of his books. Yeah, a good selling point for one, for that book. Yeah, I mean, basically, I don't know which of his books it was in because he didn't show us the front cover, but your challenge as the listeners is find what book that picture is in. Thank you very much, Ross, uh, and thank you very much to you, the listener. Check us out on social media at Off Menu Official uh, on Twitter and Instagram and offmenupodcast.co.uk on the internet websites list. Such a great thing, the internet I learned about it in the intro today. Thank you very much for listening. We'll see you again sometime soon. Goodbye. Goodbye. If you enjoyed this podcast, can I interest you in a totally different podcast that's not about food and doesn't have James Acaster or Ed Gamble, but I would say is quite fun? No, thank you. Oh, okay. Not to worry. If you change your mind at a later date, yeah. it's called Nobody Panic. Right. Um, it's hosted by me, Tessa Coates, and my friend, Stevie Martin. Which is weirdly me. <laughs> <laughs> And we tackle all kinds of how-tos, from big things to small things. How to stop saying sorry, how to poo, how to break up with someone, how to quit your job, how to relax, how to have a conversation, how to deal with unrequited love. A smorgasbord of things. Absolutely. We have a nice time. People seem to like it. If you like, you can come and see what all the fuss is about. All that fuss. What's, the, what's it called? Nobody panic. You can find it on all of the podcast apps that you would imagine it would be on. Please have a listen. 
Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hello, it's Rob Orton here. Now, I've got a podcast called the Rob Orton Daily Podcast. It's a short poem or story or a musing on a particular subject every single day. What if you commissioned Picasso to paint your house and he just painted it white? Would you be annoyed? Wouldn't it be good if you could pour Miracle Grow onto other things, such as pizzas? Have you ever thought about what a beach might be like if it was made from digestive biscuits? Have you ever tried to cry about something you're not thinking about? If you would like to listen to a daily podcast that includes subjects I've mentioned there, then please listen to the Rob Orton Daily Podcast.